step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Avoid where prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Hello and welcome back to the dark room. This time out, I'm just going to ramble on about some things that have been interesting me lately and uh, hopefully you uh, find them interesting too. First, the low-budget independent horror movie that seems to be doing well lately, It Follows. It's kind of exciting because it was shot around where I live, so I'm excited to see it, if nothing else, to see if I can recognize where it was shot, um, which is kind of exciting. Uh, But I hope it's good, too, because it's nice when, when movies from around here do well. The last big horror movie I can think of that did well from around here would be Evil Dead. And that's been a long time. I want to say that was in the 80s. So it's 2015. So 90, 80, 90. It's quite a few years, if nothing else. I'm not a math major, sorry. Um, so it's just kind of exciting when uh, when something from around where you live uh, becomes popular. So I hope to get to see that in the theater. If not, I'm sure I'll catch it on Netflix for sure. The trailer looks really fun. So I hope uh, I hope it's good, and I hope I do get to see it. Speaking of Netflix, I've been watching a lot of movies on Netflix lately. I didn't think, well, initially I wasn't sure if I'd like Netflix because um, uh, before now, you know, you would I would watch movies on DVD or occasionally once a year, twice a year, go to the theater to see a movie. And um, now with Netflix, I tend to kind of treat my movies like books where I uh, watch part of a movie, pause it, jump to another movie on Netflix, pause it, jump to another movie on Netflix, pause it. And then, so I have five or six movies in progress right now that I'm watching, which I'm sure a lot of people would, uh, would say that that's not a good idea. You know, you have to get into the flow of the movie and, um, the emotional, um, you know, to let the emotions, um, I don't know, um, to get the emotional impact, I guess, from the movie. And I find, you know, like with books, I never sit and read a whole book from cover to cover. I always, you know, I'll read to the end of a chapter or, you know, if I have to stop, read to where I can and then close the book, you know, put the bookmark in and come back. So I don't have a problem with that in books. The only problem I have with that in books is if it's too long between when I um, was reading last and when I pick it back up. I may forget what was actually going on in the scene. That's why it's you know best to probably go to the end of a chapter if you can, which you can't always do. So, um, 
but that's that's kind of how I've been treating movies lately, and so far it hasn't been bad. Um, I'll either go till I you know till I have to close, or what I'll do is I'll go to the movie starts to drag for me, and then I'll jump to another movie. That way, uh, the movie, you know, then when I come back, I'm refreshed. And because and, a lot of times it's not really the movie that's dragging, it's just me. So I'd rather um, jump away and then jump back. Like one movie I've been watching lately uh, is uh, Life Itself, I believe it's called, the Roger Ebert documentary. And um, I remember watching, um, what is it? At the Movies, I think it was called originally. Is that what it was? Sneak Previews or At the Movies? I can't remember, but I remember watching it on PBS as a kid. And then uh, when it it jumped to uh, uh, broadcast, what is it? I guess PBS was was broadcast too, but like broadcast commercial television when they went to that. Um, So I watched it from way back and I I always liked Roger Ebert. Um, I later on later in his life I didn't always agree with his opinions on movies but that's the thing with any type of art um everyone it, it's so subjective that everyone has a different opinion and I, but I always liked Roger Ebert and um so I, I'm, I've been watching life itself and I'm sure most people are familiar with the health issues Roger Ebert had um later in life and uh, it's it's so graphic in the documentary um the things he's going through physically that it's hard to watch because you know i i I like roger i think he's a good guy like i said i didn't always agree with his opinions but um i never disliked him and it's you feel so bad for him watching him go through these health issues that it's hard to watch. So I, I watch a little, then I have to go away to something else to, to kind of lighten me up and, uh, and then maybe I'll come back to it. But it's just, it's so horrible what he go, went through and seeing it is not fun. And I, I can't imagine what it was like going through it or being, you know, one of his family where they had to help, um, take care of him even though he had hospital care too it looks like um, but at, at home or you know just in the hospital they would be there to support him in the hospital and I'm sure it was very hard and it was sad to have to deal with and um, so I feel sorry for Roger Ebert and his family and uh, but he was you know he he seemed pretty positive through it but like I said it's really really a hard watch so that's one that I, you know, I watch as long as I can and then I'll go away to something else and come back. And that's one of the great things about Netflix is you have access to all of these movies and you can just, you know, hop around. Now, my tablet isn't always good at running Netflix. Uh, sometimes it's a little buggy. So, but I watch it on a uh, Nexus 7 tablet, first generation and so it's not the fastest tablet in the world, but I watch on a tablet and I, I think it's great. Uh, you know, I, for a while I was running through my Wii and going to my, my television, which is probably a, I want to say it's a 13 inch flat screen HD TV, really old. I got it used for 20 bucks. So it's not a great TV, but I was watching them on that for a while. But uh, lately I've been, uh, I'll lay in bed and watch a movie on my tablet and I really like it. You know, I have the screen a few inches from my face so it's not super small and, 
you know, and, and I, I've seen a bunch of good ones lately. Uh, one that comes to mind was Ragnarok was really fun. I've heard people rip on it and I don't know why, because I, I thought it was a, a great movie. It had, um, it felt like a high quality movie. I think it's, um, it's Norwegian. I mean, it's, um, it's, it's, um, not nor it's um scandinavian i guess you'd say i can't remember if it was norway from norway or finland but it has to do with vikings um like they find viking artifacts and a viking ship and things and so maybe it's norwegian it's possible but it was great it was subtitled and uh but I thought it was fun, and I thought the effects in it were pretty good. I, I don't, I can't picture it being a, a really high uh, budget movie, but it didn't feel cheap at all to me. And to watch it on Netflix for, as people say, free, even though it's you know it's not free, but uh, it you know, you're not paying directly for that movie. It was good. It was like um, Rare Exports or Dead Snow. Um, or uh, Let the Right One In, where there are these um, kind of independent-feeling horror movies from that part of the world. They, I think it was really good. I think it's a, a nice trend. So I would definitely recommend Ragnarok, but I've heard people rip on it a little, and I, I don't really know why. But I would definitely recommend, <laughs> I sound like a commercial, Netflix, um, because it's... Uh, I think it's it's not very expensive. I, I haven't been to a regular theater in years, so I don't know what a regular ticket costs. That's what I was asking this morning. I was wondering uh, how much it would cost to go see It Follows in the theater because I haven't been to a regular theater in so long. I don't know what a regular ticket costs. When I go to the theater, I go to Cinemark around here, which is a dollar fifty. I think for a regular movie and it's a dollar on certain days like Tuesday I think might be a dollar so the last couple movies I've been to in a theater have been for a dollar or a dollar fifty and that's been it has to be at least a year since I was in a movie theater which I miss because I, I think it's fun going to a theater the Cinemark's a little rough the crowd in there one because they only pay a dollar or a dollar fifty they don't um, the, the viewers in that theater don't necessarily take the viewing experience or the theater going experience very seriously because it's so cheap Whereas to me, I don't care what I paid for it. I want to relax and sit back and have people be quiet and enjoy the movie. And uh, I was in Cinemark once and a guy was talking on his phone really loud and everyone was yelling at him. And this is the kind of theater where when everyone yells at the person to turn their phone off or stop talking, they yell back, be quiet, I'm on the phone. <laughs> so it's not really the kind of place where, you know, you can shame someone out of talking on the phone because they're just going to talk if they want to. So uh, so that's part of why I don't like going to that theater is because uh, it's kind of a rough crowd and I'm a little nervous leaving my car for a couple hours in that parking lot. You know, so, but it follows would be in a regular theater, so it would be a full price. So I don't know if that's eight or ten dollars now, but I may go see it if I can before it leaves regular theaters because it was had a it had a small theatrical release initially, and then last Thursday, which today is Monday, uh, it it expanded to a thousand screens, I think. So, um, and it, they made supposedly like 4 million, something like that on a thousand screens, which supposedly is really good. Uh, 
especially for horror. I think it was fifth for the week or something. So hopefully they do well. They, I, from, from what I heard, the budget was about $2 million. So like I said, it's low budget, but not super low budget. I guess it's super low budget, but it's not extreme low budget like the battery, which uh, is one of my favorite or probably my favorite low budget horror movie um, that's come out recently. I mean, that was probably a year ago, uh, but uh, that they say cost 5000 I thought. And uh, that I originally watched on their website. It was a $5 download for for that movie, for the battery. And, uh, and it's since come out on DVD. I checked the DVD out of the library, but I haven't bought the DVD yet because I wanted to watch the extras. There's like a bunch of extra documentaries on it about the making of... And there's an audio commentary by Jeremy Gardner and I think the camera person, and I can't, I can never remember his name. It's Christian something, I believe. So, um, so I, I checked it out for that and I, but I still haven't listened to it. I, uh, I ripped the special features and threw them my hard drive. So I'm going to watch them when I get time. And then I converted the, um, director's track to MP3 and put it on my iPod. So eventually I'll be listening to that too. It's just, um, new podcasts keep popping up and I, uh, I want to listen to those before I commit to a, you know, hour and a half, uh, commentary, but eventually I'll be walking around a store and when one podcast ends, that commentary will come on and I'll listen to it. And it'll be interesting because I think Jeremy Gardner, who directed and wrote and stars in The Battery, did an excellent job. It's a very good, uh, very entertaining, um, emotional movie. So it, so that. But um, getting back to Netflix, uh, I am a big fan of Netflix and I hope it succeeds and continues to... Um, to be there because you never know as soon as it seems like as soon as you like something it goes away so uh, i'm just crossing my fingers that they don't screw up and and it goes away on me can you imagine how awful it would be to wake up know i was your father <laughs> speaking of things i like going away i've uh, within the last year become a huge fan of the bbc show top gear where it's three guys, Jeremy Clarkson, James May, and Richard Hamilton, I think his name is, um, all host, they're the three hosts, and they um, they do serious car talk, mostly about very expensive cars that cost a couple times more than your house. So, you know, they make, they, some of the cars they go, they talk about, there are only a handful of them made, and you have to get on a list, and you have to be selected to be able to buy it and all that. So it's just fun to see these cars and what they do with them, but they're not cars that the average person would ever even be able to touch. But some of what they do that I really like is they do a bunch of zany um, skits kind of where they, uh, they'll create a scenario like they'll say they're going to race across South America and they each get a thousand pounds or something to buy a car used. And, uh, so they'll go to the country they're going to race in, buy a car used there for whatever the amount they have, and then race it across country. And the winner gets something, you know, like a hotel room or something. So, um, and the others, you don't have to sleep in their car, maybe, or something like that. But it's just zany, and it's very well done. It's visually really nicely done. The shooting is fantastic, especially, like, I, I had watched um, some of the older seasons on Netflix because they have a lot 
of seasons on Netflix. I'm not sure how many, though. I don't have it in front of me. But um, And their their quality wasn't as good in the past, but they're visually, um, they were always good, but not now they're so slick. Um, visually, they're great. The shooting is great. The editing is good. And, the you know, the quality is fantastic. And the hosts are really entertaining and informative. So it's it's a nice show. So they say something like it's the BBC. It's it maybe the highest or most watched, what do they say, most watched informational program in the world, something like that, like 350 million people around the world watch this show. And I, I came late to it because it's been on for decades but uh, for the past year, at least, I've been into it and I watch it on BBC America. And like I said, I watched reruns of it or, you know, the back episodes of it on Netflix. Really enjoyed it. And it's gotten to where on Monday night when the new episode airs, I, I'm all excited to watch it. And I DVR it and watch it right away. And and now uh, this, this current season's about to end and... Right before the end of the season, the main host, Jeremy Clarkson, um, punched a producer on the show, and now the BBC has decided to let him go and not renew his contract. And he basically is the show. So if when he leaves or he is leaving, the other two hosts are saying they won't come back, and the producer, executive producer, I think it is, won't come back. So just as I get into the show, I think Clarkson was on the show for 28 seasons or something, 28 years. And just as I start to get into it, he can't, he can't not punch a producer and, uh, and he, the show ends. So I'm crossing my fingers that he and the other two hosts and the executive producer create a new show that's very similar to Top Gear take it to another network and I'll be able to continue enjoying uh, watching that show um, so I'm, I'm crossing my fingers I hope that's the case because uh, even though you know it's it's not nice to punch producers um, I mean he's a the guy is a is a talent Jeremy Clarkson he's definitely he's a he knows what he's talking about he's entertaining he seems like a good guy but I'm sure as you get older I'm sure I think he's in his 60s now um, the, from what, uh, from what I've read, part of it had to do with uh, the, well, the whole issue has to do with at the end of a long day of shooting, the producer didn't have warm or hot food for the, the crew and staff. So, um, he, Clarkson like complained about it for, they say for a half hour. And then there was a 30 second physical altercation where it apparently hit this producer and, um, so I'm sure it built up, built up, built up, and then he couldn't hold it, hold back anymore, and hit him. And and they said neither side disputes what happened in the in this whole thing. So it's like he he has never denied hitting the guy. But um, suppose I, Jeremy Clarkson seems like the kind of guy that um, would hit some. <laughs> I'm sure he's hit a bunch of people in his life. He's not the kind of guy that holds back. And unfortunately, this time it screwed him and screwed the viewers because. We're all going to lose Top Gear. Although there, you know, there's decades of back shows. Although I'm reluctant to uh, support the BBC because this was such a dumb decision. It's like there's no way they could have had him apologize and and I don't know fixed it and and kept the show going. But uh, they were so dumb even that they killed the last three episodes of the season even though they're done, they're completed and edited from what it sounds like. So um, it makes no sense. 
spot, uh, the BBC kind of painted themselves in the corner because um, they gave him before this, like um, the they said, you have no more strikes kind of thing, where if he screws up one more time, he's gone. And he did, so they had no choice but to do it, which makes no sense because they screwed themselves. This is a show that produces, that earns them at least $50 million a year, it sounds like. So it makes no sense that they would get rid of the show. I mean, they're just throwing away $50 million. And I'm sure they're thinking they're going to plug in some different hosts and keep the show going. But I, for one, am not going to watch that show. I'm going to follow the guys to the new show. So I hope that the new show happens because they've talked about it. And what's interesting is all three hosts' contracts were up at the end of this season anyway. So they could have walked and started their own show and, you know, potentially anyway. So, so hopefully the show ends up, you know, coming back as something else with these guys. And uh, I definitely will watch and I'm crossing my fingers that it does because I'm already missing the show. And I, you know, I still have the shows I can watch, but I, like I said, I, I don't really want to support beat the BBC. I'd hope they go to another network and uh, it ends up showing in this country too. And because I really want to see the show, it's really good. Oh, you done it now, Jordy Farrell. You monkhead. Been doing a lot of reading lately. And one book I just finished was Stephen King's Revival. And it was, it was pretty good. It was, um, it kind of was old King because there have been, you know, since the probably early nineties, I've kind of fallen off of my King reading, you know, his Bachman books are my favorite, probably the long walk and, um, the running man and don't confuse the amazing running man novel novella to the kind of cheesy, uh, Schwarzenegger running man movie. Cause the running man movie's fun, but the running man, uh, short novel is amazing. So, that those two are probably my favorite at, at pupil i think was a bachman story i want to say unless that was in i want to say no you know what not apt pupil because that's from different seasons crap what's it called it's the one with the kid where he takes his class hostage his like geometry class maybe that's fr- frenzy frenzy now, I want to say that's apt pupil, but I could, I'm probably wrong. Again, I don't have anything in front of me. I'm sitting in the car <laughs> recording at lunch. And uh, so, but that that's one of my favorite too, but I've forgotten the name of that. But this this is kind of a, a throwback to the good king, you know, the years of The Shining and Pet Cemetery and um, The Stand, like that. So, and it's good. He builds characters for the majority of the the book which is good but it just gets a little boring because it's you know, you're wondering where it's going where it's going where it's going um but the payoff is really good the ending is really good one of some people said some people are saying at least that king has finally learned how to write an ending because they really like the ending to revival and and it has this lovecraftian feel to it because he starts to reveal some lovecraftian elements to the story and then it ends kind of it ends a lot like a christopher pike book i really like called the listeners um i think it was the listeners yeah where uh well i don't want to give it away but because even though i don't really agree 
that spoilers are a bad thing. I don't, I don't want to uh, <laughs> make anyone mad, but um, and it doesn't ruin the end. Doesn't really ruin the rest of the book for you anyway. But uh, it did remind me a lot of the listeners. It kind of what they do at the end with some elements in the book, the listeners by Christopher Pike, which is a great book too. I think Christopher Pike had a bunch of good books, the cold one, the listeners seasons of season of passage uh, were great. So those were really good. I would recommend the, all three of those books. He had a few like blind mirror, I think was kind of a sequel to the cold one, but it wasn't the a sequel that they announced. And then what was it called? Uh, there's another one he did after that, Falling or something, but uh, it wasn't as as good as those other Pike novels. But uh, oh, and his his last vampire books are really good too. Even though they're young adult, I definitely would recommend those. People um, may be scared off by the young adult label, but uh, the last vampire is really good. And with all the vampire crap lately, like Twilight and Vampire Diaries and true blood it's like i'm sure people are burnt out on vampires but the last vampire was it's a fun read and they've collected them in big kind of editions now because it was like a seven short novel a series and now they've collected them into these big thick multi-novels per book called thirst now and i don't know how many there are three maybe and then they, they've come out with some new ones since i haven't read the total i've read some of the new ones but not all of the new ones but uh, his old uh, last vampire books were great so but but the revival the revival or revival was really good um actually i read dr sleep a while before i read revival which was the sequel to the shining and didn't care for that as much as i cared for revival my negative uh thought on um, dr sleep was he takes Danny Torrance, the kid from the shining and kind of makes him a minor character in the sequel uh, whereas I, I would have rather Danny be the focus of the sequel because he was, you know, the kid in the first one. It'd be nice that he, when he grows up, he is the focus of the sequel, but he's not. There's another child with uh, the power and the shining power. And uh, Danny kind of helps him, helps her, I think it was. from. It's been a while since I read it, but helps her kind of defeat the bad guys. and So... Uh, I didn't love Dr. Sleep, but I, I thought the revival was really, really, really good. Johnny! You're still afraid. Stop it now, I mean it! They're coming to get you, Barbara. Stop it! You're ignorant! They're coming for you, Barbara. Stop it! You're acting like a child! They're coming for you! Look! There comes one of them now. He'll hear you. Here he comes now. I'm getting out of here. Johnny! One thing I noticed lately is that there are quite a few versions of Night of the Living Dead, the 1968 Romero and company movie, you know, Russo and Steiner, Steiner and... Uh, Carl Hardman and all of those guys. Um, there, there are a lot of versions of it that have been colorized because everyone knows it was a black and white movie for budget reasons. They, they went black and white because they wanted to shoot 35 millimeter 
So they shot 35 millimeter, but for to save money, they shot in black and white, which you know a lot of people believe. I included that uh, the black and white adds to the the feel of the movie and the, you know how raw it feels because it's black and white. Some people have said the documentary feel of it, which I don't. I think that's a little overused saying it's a documentary style, but it's up to people. There are, there are news kind of, um, reports in it that are, you know, more documentary style, I guess, or news style. But, um, but anyway, the, these colorized versions, you know, the movie colorization is a big thing. A lot of people, um, are angry that they would colorize movies and, uh, I wasn't, I was on the fence about it. Like most things with movies, I'm willing to give it a shot, you know, new ideas. And, uh, and when I saw the first version I saw, I watched on YouTube, uh, colorized and I really liked it. I thought it really added, uh, it added something to it because it, it's kind of this pastel water. It's got this watercolor color feel almost where it's like a more of a color wash than a, you know, hard color. I don't know. The version I saw at least was and the first version. And it, it kind of makes it feel like, you know, it almost makes it feel like an even older movie in color, which is weird because you would think black and white makes you think of older movies, but it almost seemed older in color. And I just thought it, 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 it made it a totally different experience. Just like when, when Frank Darabont, um, made the black and white version of the mist and, uh, people, you know, rave about how different it is and they like it in black and white. This, I love, um, night of the living dead in black and white. It's probably my favorite Romero movie. And then maybe day is probably my second, but, um, you know, in, in black and white is like a character in that movie, but when they colorize it, I think it really makes it kind of fun, you know, and, and remember that the black and white one isn't going away when they colorize it. You can watch the black and white version whenever you want, but these, but the color version's fun. And, and what's weird is it, you know, because I liked that first colorized version, I went around and, and like on Wikipedia, I read, I think there's four or five different versions that have been done through the years. And one, not that long ago that people raved about the one that was recently done about how ma- amazing it was. And I think it was not only colorized, but converted to 3d. And it was one of, or the first movie that was shot in 2d that was entirely converted to 3d or something, something like that I read, but who knows if that's true. But, um, because of all this post conversion of movies, I'm sure maybe it's before a certain movies, maybe before a certain time, it was the first one. But anyway, um, people rave about how great of a job they did, except the complaint with that is that they used a little, not the most, um, clean, uh, copy print of the movie. Uh, so that while their work is amazing on it, the print isn't as great as maybe say the millennium edition or something that they put out on DVD, the black and white original version, which um, looks really good. It looks like a different movie. It's so clean. But, um, what's weird about these colorized versions is the colors are different in each one. And, uh, the version I saw originally, the car that Johnny and, and Barbara drive up in at the beginning was like a green, like a dark green, which in color production behind the scenes stills I've seen from the making of night of the living dead, the car was originally kind of a greenish color. And 
so you know it felt normal that the first version i saw the car was green but then there's a version i watched on youtube the other day where the car's like red really red and it's and it kind of looks good like an orange red from what i remember and it looks good because johnny's kind of this hipster cool guy you know but he's got the pocket protector so he's like a nerdy probably accountant accountant or something but to make himself cooler, he would buy, you know, he would buy a car that would be flashy and bright colored like that. So it's kind of a good idea. I'm sure there was thought behind making the car reddish. It's just it feels weird because it uh, it's not what the car really was. But it's kind of neat that they could just change it if they wanted. So, so that I haven't watched the whole movie with the red car. So I don't know how much different the colors are throughout. But one thing I read was the, the zombies skin colors are different in the different versions. The original version I saw, the zombies were kind of gray from when I remember. And, and like, you know, um, Bill Heinzman, Hinsman, the cemetery zombie, he looks more normal in, uh, turkey alert um he looks more normal in the um the version i saw from what i remember because i remember one people one person saying in one of the colorized versions the zombies are green so when he walked up at the beginning if he's green why would johnny mistake him for just a regular like say funeral goer or person who's you know visiting the cemetery to pay respects to someone that they knew or family member or something there's no way you could mistake him for being alive when he's totally green so it was kind of weird they thought that he would be green but i guess in different versions the zombies are different colors and in the two i've seen they're not very green they're kind of grayish so so you could potentially uh, mistake it but um i have to say i'm i don't hate these color versions i think you know especially since the motivation for going black and white was for budget reasons i'm sure they would have probably shot color if they could have afforded it from what i understand but, you know, they could have either either gone color 16 millimeter and blown it up to 35 or could shoot 35 black and white. And that's what they did. So I I have no problem with it. I, I don't know if Romero has an issue. He seems to be opposed to anyone doing anything with Night of the Living Dead, like with that 30th anniversary edition that Russo did. Uh, Romero um, said he didn't want to have anything to do with it from what I read. So... Um, it wouldn't be surprising if Romero would be against it, but I personally, you know, and, and, and I have no stake in this. I, you know, I don't benefit from it being touched or not financially or any other way. Well, I guess financially, because I do benefit from it being colorized and that I get to see it. So, um, but I do enjoy it. I, I would definitely suggest checking it out because I, I think if nothing else, it's a fun alternative and nowadays, you know how you get these younger people who kids and uh, who they won't watch a black and white movie because it's old or it feels old or it's boring because it's in black and white. If they if they will give it more of a chance because of it, it being colorized, maybe then if they enjoy it, they would try it in black and white after. So if nothing else, it may get more people to give Night of the Living Dead a, a shot. And it's definitely worth it. It's one of, I think, the greatest horror movies of all time. And it's amazing. It's a miracle that it happened because it's a low-budget horror movie made in Pittsburgh, in the Pittsburgh area, I guess, um, by a bunch of commercial makers, commercial filmmakers. And 
And by that, I mean who were making commercials uh, professionally with their own company, their own equipment at the time. And uh, it's just amazing that it turned out how good it, it did because it, it's just, it's a real movie. I mean, it could have easily been crap, you know. I mean, how many other real movies that were done regionally, say back in the 60s or since, have not turned out well? So it's, uh, and it's amazing and it's just sad because of the whole copyright issue that, uh, that these people, they should have made millions off of it and been set for life in theory and then been able to do any projects they wanted after that but not had to worry about money. Instead, they got screwed out of their, the money that was due them. Uh, you know, and it's, I just can't believe that any kind of copyright laws would exist that would, that would be that dumb because their names are on the movie. They obviously created it. No one disputes that they created it, but yet people can benefit from it and not have to pay them, which is ridiculous. And I, I, if any of them are really angry still, I can't blame them because the work they did and the, the job they ended up doing and, and the movie they made is amazing, and they definitely deserve to benefit from it. And I have multiple versions of their more authorized editions. I even have the 30th anniversary DVDs, which <laughs> everyone hates, and I, you can understand why, but... Um, I have those. I have the Millennium Edition. I have the. There's another one where it's like a cartoon kind of drawing of Kyra Schoen's character. I can't remember what the the daughter's Carl Hardman's daughter's name was in the movie now, but uh, but you know where she's on the cover, and that's a on the cover of the DVD, and that's a really clean print too. I don't know if it's the same print as the uh, as the Millennium one, but um, you know they all have in that 40th anniversary one. I have where it's got, I think it's mostly the same commentaries. So that's how you can tell the official ones, at least as far as I can tell, is, you know, when Romero and the, the gang gets together to do commentaries on them, those are the official ones because they wouldn't, you know, their, their official, their voices would not be on the unofficial versions, you know, so. But I would, I would definitely recommend you give it a try. You may hate it. You may kind of like it or you may love it but i think it's a neat thing i'm i'm just amazed that they can do it because i don't know how they do it because colorizing a still is one thing but colorizing motion you know they're colorizing 24 stills per second or 30 because video is 30 frames a second but you know it's so it's like they're it's amazing the it's a great job that they did on all of them even when you even when they're sloppier than some you know, it's just amazing that the technology exists. I'm, uh, you know, whether you believe they're raping the, uh, the uh, director's artistic vision or not, um, I just believe it's kind of neat that they can do it. And, you know, and it, and like everyone always says with remakes and, and all of these things, um, the original still exists. So you can go back to it whenever you want. And I just think it's kind of neat to see night of the living dead in color. You know, it'd be interesting if they did other movies. I'm sure the Hal Roach, original colorizations i'm sure they did a bunch of other movies but the only one i've really seen is night and so i i'm going to have to definitely check out some of the other ones you know and like i said they don't replace the original black and whites but it's just kind of a neat alternative occasionally so please check those out um i think you may enjoy them and uh if you know of any other movies that have been colorized and you think they they've done a good job or a horrible job, give me a 
uh, drop me a line at uh, thedarkroompodcast at gmail.com and let me know what you think. As always, uh, your, your suggestions and comments are welcome. And uh, hopefully uh, we talk again sooner than uh, the distance or space between this show and the last show. I'm going to try to get back on more of a regular schedule, but we'll see. Every podcaster you ever listen to says that, and then it's another year between shows. But as everyone says, life gets in the way. I'm sure with me, it's more my, I lose my voice a little, my, your internal voice, you know, to, to talk about, uh, these, these things that interest us and you kind of just want to watch movies and read books and things instead of talking about them. So, uh, hopefully I keep my voice and, uh, my figurative voice and keep it going. Cause, uh, it's, it is fun to do when you're doing it. It's just, when you put down the mic, it's hard. It can be hard to pick it back up. The inertia of not recording is pretty strong. So anyway, uh, until next time, I will see you in the dark room. We only had one question. Is this much bacon even legal? Now, I'm just a small-town pizza lawyer, but I do declare that wrapping these eight crispy corners of pizza and over three and a half feet of bacon is perfectly legal. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.